are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, well, season with a victory Monday. We didn't get very many of them during the 2021 season, but arguably the most impressive win the Seahawks had all year long coming in week 18, going to Arizona and winning at State Farm Stadium and taking away what would have been an NFC West title for the Cardinals. We'll be breaking that game down as always with our Monday postgame takeaways, and we're going to be revisiting whether or not the Seahawks should run it back with mostly the same roster going into the 2022 season. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. This podcast is brought to you by OnlineGambling.com, the place to be for all the latest gambling news and tips throughout the NFL playoffs. Visit OnlineGambling.com NFL to get the edge over the competition throughout this year's postseason. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks, the Seahawks wrapped up what really was a disappointing 7-10 and 10 season with probably their most impressive victory of the season. They go down to Arizona and get a 38-30 victory over the Cardinals, another dominant performance for their offense, even with 14 points allowed on turnovers that they basically gifted the Cardinals, were able to overcome that and still got the victory. With that being said, this was one of those wins where it was difficult to really appreciate the victory because a gruesome injury suffered by Quandre Diggs in the fourth quarter. Normally, I mean, this is saying something. I usually can watch injuries on video. I could not get through the play that Quandre Diggs got injured on yesterday. Maybe in part it was just because of the circumstances. But think about this, Rob. Less than 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Quandre Diggs is going to be a free agent in less than 10 minutes. His contract will be up, likely going to be one of the most sought-after defensive backs in free agency, and goes in for a tackle on running back Eno Benjamin, gets his leg bent in a way that it's not supposed to bend, and ends up being carted off the field in the air cast with a fractured fibula and a dislocated ankle. If there's a silver lining, no ligament damage, which is the good news, but has to have surgery, going to be out for probably three to five months. Not the news you want heading into free agency, and obviously for a player that's so important on the field and in the locker room for the Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely tragic injury for, for Quandre Diggs. Uh, your heart just goes out to him. You could see how important uh, how he was to the Seahawks, how, how valued that he is by his teammates. I mean, uh, you know, with, with Tyler Lockett opting to to stay, uh, you know, in Arizona an extra day just to be with his his teammates, his his best friend as he characterized him, uh, Quandre Diggs. That that says it all right there. Um, but that's that's not really enough. I mean, I think you can see just the the reactions uh, of some of Seattle's other teammates. Uh, you know, Sidney Jones basically throwing throwing his helmet on the ground. DJ Reed kind of walking around like like he was in a daze, um, all of the different messages from people who are not part of the Seahawks family, defensive backs all across the yield, the the, uh, the league, um, you know, tweeting out their support for Quandre Diggs. You know, as, as you said, Corbin, I mean, he was basically 10 minutes away from 
uh, you know, undre from unrestricted free agency, uh, you know, not only the wealth for himself, but, you know, true generational wealth that he may have been offered five interceptions this season, five interceptions a year ago, ironically enough, playing at the strong safety position uh, for the Seahawks in this past game against the Arizona Cardinals, just showing one more time just how versatile that, that he is. Uh, and yet to have all of that ripped away from him in the house of horrors that has been that stadium for the Seahawks in general, I mean, just really did put a pall over what otherwise was a spectacular performance by the Seahawks. Uh, so really uh, it, it just a, a tough moment there. Um, and, you know, if, if we were to try to find a positive here, you mentioned the fact that there was no ligament damage. So this looks like it's something that Quadradig should be able to come back from. And I'll throw another spin out there, at least from a Seahawk perspective. Very, very selfish from a Seahawk perspective to be talking about this right now, considering what Diggs is going through. But if you were one of those who were hoping that the Seahawks might be able to bring back Quandre Diggs and still not have to throw a whole bunch of money at them, this might have been the situation that, uh, that, that could actually create that type of, of spot for Seattle. That might be a reality this situation. I don't know if it's going to cost him a lot of money in free agency, particularly because broken bones coming back from those. Typically, that's a much more clean process in terms of recovering than if you're talking about a torn ACL or ligament damage. So I don't know that it's necessarily going to impact the market he's going to have in free agency. And for his sake, I hope it doesn't. He has earned that money whether it's with the Seahawks or another team. He has been one of the best free safeties in the NFL, and it was gut-wrenching. I did not get to go to the game in person. It's the only game this year that I worked remotely. Seeing on TV him being carted off in tears, it's gut-wrenching when you see that happen for any player, but especially somebody like Quandre Diggs that has done things the right way. And, of course, there's going to be some fans that say, well, he held in for a week during training game. Yes, but – he did it so he could get an insurance policy pulled out, and he was working on some stuff behind the scenes with the Seahawks. He was still committed to this football team all season long. He wants to be with the Seahawks long term. And so we'll see what ends up happening. It's just the worst of circumstances, as you mentioned. It happening in Arizona just made it that much worse because this is the same stadium where Richard Sherman popped his Achilles in his last game with the Seahawks. We saw Cam Chancellor suffer a career-ending neck injury in that same exact game on Thursday Night Football. One year later, Earl Thomas, his Seahawks career ends with a broken leg in the end zone, carted off, gives the bird to Pete Carroll. So basically, the Legion of Boom died in State Farm Stadium. And to see another star secondary player suffer a gruesome injury like this one against the Cardinals in Arizona. At this point, you can't just say that this is just a string of bad luck. I mean, this is truly a cursed building from that perspective. The Seahawks seem to win most of their games there, but they have to pay one heck of a toll every time when it comes to injuries. So it's, it's unfortunate. Hopefully this is going to be something where he has surgery. It sounds like he's going to be in Green Bay having the operation done today gets the surgery done and makes a quick recovery, able to get back on the field, whether it's with the Seahawks or another team, as soon as possible during the offseason. Not going to be rushing him back necessarily, but it does sound like he's got an optimistic prognosis. So that's the good news. I guess the other good news is the Seahawks really didn't have any other major injuries coming out of this game. It's unfortunate, though, that the one injury they did have ended up being as nasty as the one that Diggs suffered in this game. So best wishes to him. 
in his route to recovery. And hopefully he's able to turn the corner fairly quickly and doesn't lose any value in free agency. Because again, the numbers this guy's put up back-to-back Pro Bowls, whether it's in Seattle or with another team, he has absolutely earned that payday. And that shouldn't change because of this injury. We're going to get to our takeaways from this game later in the episode. But first, kind of a big picture item. We've talked about it some here on the show over the last month when we knew the Seahawks were probably not going to make the playoffs and then they were officially eliminated. We're going to go back to the question, should the Seahawks run it back or is it time for some major changes after winning their last two games to close out the season? It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll always want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring this time of year. By week three, you might be thinking, this just is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? You don't have to worry about that with Built Bars. 100% real chocolate, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar that usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And so many great flavors, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors all the time. So make sure to check out Built.com often and see what's new. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 at Built.com for 15% off. Hey, Seahawks fans, OnlineGambling.com is sponsoring today's podcast. If you don't know already, OnlineGambling.com is a website dedicated to giving gamblers the edge. Throughout the playoffs, they're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more to help you make your bets as informed as ever. OnlineGambling.com gives gamblers the edge by providing the best and most trusted experience online all day, every day, inspiring every gambler in the world to beat the odds. Don't make the emotional decisions with your hard-earned dollars. Make informed decisions with information sourced by the experts. OnlineGambling.com is inspiring every gambler in the world to beat the odds. So go to OnlineGambling.com and check out the latest NFL playoff news and tips, how you can get the edge. Visit the website for NFL tips ahead of the playoffs and visit the website for all the latest NFL news. Make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com NFL for all the latest gambling news and tips to give you the edge this playoff season. Remember OnlineGambling.com NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks, our final victory Monday of the season. I'm Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang, the Seahawks going into Arizona and pulling the upset 38-30 to over the Cardinals. And yes, it's been a very disappointing season. The Seahawks won't be playing next weekend. No playoffs for them for the first time since 2017. First time with double-digit losses since before Pete Carroll arrived way back in 2009. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It's been a very disappointing, underwhelming season. But for the Seahawks, this was their Super Bowl, and Pete Carroll drummed it up as that to keep his players motivated, and they played like it was a big game of that magnitude, going out and scoring 38 points against the Cardinals. And as I mentioned earlier, Rob, the Cardinals would have been division champions if they would have held on in this game because the 49ers came back from a deficit at halftime and beat the Rams in overtime to lock up their own playoff spot. That opened the door for the Cardinals to get a playoff game 
in the postseason, the home playoff game, and they weren't able to take advantage of that opportunity because the Seahawks came in and got the job done, which leads me to my big question here. We're going to be talking about this a lot the next several weeks because the Seahawks might be the most intriguing team heading into this offseason in terms of nobody really knowing what's going to happen. We do know that most likely Pete Carroll is going to be coming back for 2022. He has not had his name thrown out there so far as being a pink slip recipient here on Black Monday. Doesn't sound like the Seahawks are going to be leaning that direction, but we've talked about the potential for big moves this offseason. Now we got to revisit this question here after the Seahawks upset the Cardinals the end of the year with back-to-back wins. Should the Seahawks run it back next season? Should they keep status quo, at least with their superstars and their coach and general manager? Should they avoid some of those big moves that we thought were inevitable as recently as two or three weeks ago? I think they should. I think they should absolutely keep the uh, you know the, the staff basically in place. And there's going to be some additions and subtractions, of course. So with Seattle having you know tens of millions of dollars in in free agent space, uh, cap space uh, in terms of uh, unrestricted free agency, then yeah, I think that, uh, that that's very exciting. But I, I fully expect John Schneider to remain in his spot as general manager. Pete Carroll, a head coach, Russell Wilson as quarterback, even Shane Waldron as offensive coordinator. I have seen enough signs that this is a team that just needs a little bit of tinkering to get back into competing for the divisional title. The proof is in the pudding. You just beat the team that was going to be winning the division. Um, You are playing in the best division in football, something we talked about all season long. Of course, the other three teams in the division all going to the playoffs. Seattle just had some unlucky breaks this year, Corbin, in my opinion. The injury to the quarterback being obviously being the most significant one. The fact that they were taking bringing an entirely new offense. Um, it just took a little bit extra time, um, you know, to, to uh, be able to learn that scheme. But as well as Seattle played at the end of the year, to me, is a very encouraging sign. And I think if you do start over, with a brand new head coach or, or change over at the quarterback or position, you better get used to what you're seeing right now. And that is the lack of competing in the playoffs. It's pretty damn rare that you see new head coaches or new quarterbacks for veteran teams come in and have immediate success. And so I think if your goal is to have the Seahawks competing for the NFC divisional crown as quickly as next year, then you have to kind of just refresh the team, not restart from scratch. I want to just throw this out here because our regular listeners know where I stood on this topic a few weeks ago, and I still kind of feel like I'm on the fence in some regards here because three weeks ago when the Bears came in and won 25-24, at that point I thought, you know what, it's time time to blow things up. And I was even thinking, even though I believe that Pete Carroll is a fantastic coach, I even threw out the idea, you know, maybe it is time. And not necessarily because it was an indictment on him. It's just sometimes changes just have to be made. We've seen legendary coaches get moved on from before. It's going to happen again at some point. But I was extremely impressed by the way the Seahawks played yesterday. I thought that they played really well against a Detroit Lions team that even though they've got a crappy record, we saw what they did even with Green Bay only playing half the game with Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Packers this weekend, and that is a – feisty-looking football team. They beat the Cardinals earlier this year. That's a team that seems to be on the rise, might not be winning a lot of games, but the fact the Seahawks were able to put up 51 points against them and then go out and have this big performance against 
the Cardinals, who, as you mentioned, they would have been NFC West champions if they could have won this game. They would have won the best division in the NFL. The Seahawks stopped them from doing that. So, again, I, I kind of feel on the fence in some regards. I think Pete Carroll, you got to bring him back because the way the team responded to him late in the season, Russell Wilson playing better football, it's just you can't you can't overlook culture and Pete Carroll knows how to institute culture. He's been doing it his entire time in Seattle when he was at USC. So I think you got to run it back with him. I don't think John Schneider's going anywhere either. There's going to be pressure on both of them though. You got to get this team back in a contention. I think Russell Wilson will be back. There's now reports surfacing. They don't want to trade him or don't plan to. That wouldn't be news to me because that's what I was told all of last offseason. So the way that he played yesterday for most of the game, you want number three back under center. The one area that I'm leaning a bit towards, you know, you got to blow it up a little bit, is with a few of their other star players. Most notably, I'm wondering about Bobby Wagner moving forward. And we'll have a chance to talk about this more in our takeaways. But Cody Barton went out and had 12 tackles yesterday, made some nice plays in coverage. You can just see the range that he has. Bobby Wagner used to have that range in coverage. He doesn't anymore. Now going to be in his 11th year. He just doesn't move like he used to. And I think that that hurts them schematically with their pass coverages. You don't have that problem when Cody Barton's in there because he's a former safety, a much younger player that just is much more fleet of foot at this point. And obviously Bobby Wagner is still a very good player, but $20 million plus cap hit, unless they are able to find a way to substantially lower that cap hit, I don't see how you can bring him back when it looks like you have two inside linebackers that are 26 or younger in Cody Barton and Jordan Brooks, who has 180 tackles this season. I don't see how you can go into next year with Wagner with that cost, with that cap hit, when you have two other guys that are much cheaper that are starter caliber players. I do think that they're going to have a very tough decision to make there on number 54, and it's never easy to approach those situations with a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best players ever to wear a Seahawks uniform. You hope they can find a way to get him back at a cheaper cost, but I think it's going to be easier said than done to make that happen for both the player and the team. you got to wonder if it's Cody Barton's job in 2022. Yeah, it very well could be. Uh, you know, he had his audition. I thought they played pretty well um, against the Arizona Cardinals and obviously virtually the entire game the week before against the Detroit Lions. Uh, I think this is going to come down to whether or not Bobby Wagner is able to swallow some of that pride. Because I think it is the, the sticking point is going to be just how much money that he is doing his contract. I think that Seattle would love to bring him back. I think that we can go back in history, however, and see that Seattle was willing to cut ties with K.J. Wright. And if they were willing to do that with K.J. Wright, I think that they also would be willing to do it with Bobby Wagner because you could make the argument, Corbin, as you just did, that they are better prepared uh, to withstand the loss of Bobby Wagner because of what Cody Barton and certainly what Jordan Brooks have, have shown so far. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's very unlikely that Bobby Wagner is going to be back with the Seahawks at that price point. I am certainly hopeful that he is back with the Seahawks, however. Yeah, I think that that would be the one major move, the one big domino that has a really good chance of falling. Because at this point, I don't see Carroll being gone. I don't see John Schneider being gone. I don't see Russell Wilson unless he just absolutely forces the issue. And I didn't see that on the field yesterday. I saw a player that was running through Buda Baker at the goal line. 
because he wanted to win this game so bad. And then the celebrations with Coach Pete Carroll on the sideline. I didn't see a guy that wants to play for another team. Now, there may be some things that he wants the front office to do to ensure that he's going to have a chance to win, and that's fine. But I don't see this being a situation. It's different than even a couple weeks ago where it's like, you know, maybe they are leaning that direction. You got to keep number three. You got to keep Pete Carroll and you got to keep John Schneider. I think you run most of it back. You make some changes in free agency. Bobby Wagner will be that one piece that you hope you can reach a restructured deal. Didn't sound like he was very keen on that idea the other day in a press conference, though. If he's not willing to do that, I think that this could be one of those extremely excruciating business decisions that the Seahawks have made a few of before, as you mentioned. So uh, I don't know if that means cutting or trading Bobby Wagner, what ends up happening, but that might be the one storyline to really watch. And there could be some other moves as well, but I think you keep a number of your free agents. We'll get to that in later episodes as we start getting into the offseason. But I don't know that you make a ton of substantial changes, at least with the pillars of your franchise, because you did finish in the top 10 in DVOA, the only non-playoff team that did that. That's, that shows you bad luck right there. They were the only team in the top 10. The other three NFC West teams were all in the top 10 too. It feels like that they could go back next year with a lot of the same core and they could have much different results if they can put a few more pieces around Russell Wilson and they get a few more bounces their way. This team could be right back in contention. So I've switched a little bit on it. I don't want to say I've been waffling, but this is a really complicated subject. And I just think at this point you run most of it back. Wagner being the toughest business decision they may or may not have to deal with here in coming months. We're going to get to our takeaways here in a moment from State Farm Stadium. But I want to tell you guys about an incredible app. Everyone who buys gas needs to know about it. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's the code TOUCHDOWN for up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back. You're listening to Victory Monday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks wrapping up what has been a pretty disappointing season on a high note with a 38-30 upset victory over the Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. And it was such a bizarre game because when is the last time, Rob, that we looked at a game where the offense allowed the Cardinals or whoever the opponent is to score 14 points, basically gift-wrapped it for them, a late Christmas gift, gave them 14 points, and yet still managed to win in fairly convincing fashion. I can't remember the last time that the Seahawks did that. And Russell Wilson committed a couple of big errors in this football game that gave the Cardinals 14 points, and yet you take those two plays out of the equation. This is the first thing I'm going to throw out here for takeaways. That was the best Russell Wilson we have seen all year long. He should have had three first-half touchdown passes, if not for a drop by Gerald Everett. Tyler Lockett, at this point, 
he should be doing the same type of commercials that Baker Mayfield does at the Brown Stadium, but he should be doing it at the Cardinal Stadium because every time he's there, it's basically his second home. You're guaranteed two or three touchdowns for him every single time. The Wilson to Lockett connection was on fire in the first half. Wilson was getting outside of the pocket. He was dropping dimes from inside the pocket while getting hit. It was just a pleasure to watch. And then you add in the running in the second half, plowing through Buda Baker at the goal line for a rushing touchdown. It just was a complete game. You'd like to see those two big mistakes be taken out of the picture, but otherwise, I thought Russell Wilson played really well. And of course, the offensive line and the run game were there to complement him again as well. That, that was one of my favorite things about the Seahawks performance, Corbin, is just how evenly uh, it, it was won by Seattle. I mean, offense, defense, and special teams, I thought, all played, you know, brilliantly. Uh, you know, 12 seconds into the game, um, you know, Russell Wilson gets basically blindsided, gets that fumble, and Arizona Cardinals are up seven zip. Uh, and I just thought, how appropriate is that number, 12? Uh, 12 seconds into the game. That's the exact same amount of time that had passed uh, way back in, when Seattle won its Super Bowl, uh, when it was Peyton Manning who was getting hit, uh, you know, with uh, the, the off snap there, and, and Seattle was able to get their first touchdown in, in that Super Bowl victory. Um, so to me, that was one of the things that, that jumped out there. I love that you mentioned Tyler Lockett, just the idea of him uh, having the keys and the code to the uh, secure. I can almost imagine Tyler Lockett talking to somebody and saying, code is 16 the, the way that baker mayfield says the code is six in, in that commercial it's kind of uh it's a you know just kind of a funny thought there but again um you know russell wilson and just the way that he got the ball out of his hands um to different levels of the field that he got multiple receivers involved you see Kobe, Kobe parkinson make a catch you see freddie swain go for a touchdown uh you know the, the beautiful play calling uh, from Shane Waldron. It's amazing how much more creative an offensive play caller can get when you have some drives with a little bit of consistency to them and you're able to march down the field a little bit. It's amazing how much better the running game works. Again, again, you are able to kind of, you know, create some long drives rather than just one or two long play kind of scores. So to me, that's what was the, the most encouraging thing about it from an offense perspective. Um, you know, you, you were kind of following the sword earlier, talking about how uh, maybe that, uh, that you've changed your opinion slightly here. Well, I've certainly changed my opinion on Shane Waldron over these last couple of weeks. I mean, I was as critical of him as anybody. But again, I've been really encouraged by what I've seen from a little bit more creative uses um, and, and using their players the way that they should allowing Freddie Swain to use that acceleration that he possesses, giving Kobe Parkinson the opportunity to make that kind of back shoulder reception. That was a hot throw that Russell Wilson threw. Parkinson should have made that catch. That's exactly why Seattle drafted him is to make plays like that. And so to me, that is putting your guys in position to make the plays in which that make them special. Um, so to see Phil Haynes just being able to pulverize people at the point of attack, play at the right guard position in this game after previously playing at the left guard position. I mean, to me, those are all the encouraging things, but you started off with the, the most important point, in my opinion, at least. And that is the, the enthusiasm that Russell Wilson was playing with his willingness to keep the ball and score that touchdown through Buda Baker, come back and give that high five, the enthusiasm he showed with Pete Carroll that didn't look like a quarterback and a head coach 
who are, you know, thinking of different things. That looked like two guys who were very much in line to have Seattle competing in 2022 and 2023. And you didn't even mention the other star of this game, the guy that's been the star for the Seahawks for the last month, Rashad Penny, 190 rushing yards and a back-breaking 62-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. Again, we say it each week lately, but 235 pounds and just running away from Buda Baker and all pro safety. I mean, he's just, he's just been incredible. And you want to put in perspective how great he's been. He became just the ninth player in NFL history to have four or more games in a single season with 135 rushing yards, a touchdown and a 6.5 yards per carry average. That only happened nine times in NFL history. He became the 10th player to accomplish that feat. And oh, by the way, he did that in a five-week span. Four of these games, all four of them came in five weeks. Just a torrid stretch for Rashad Penny, who now is probably going to be the most coveted running back on the market in free agency. The Seahawks might have a really hard time keeping him off this last month with how explosive he's been. Oh, by the way, nine runs of 25 or more yards tied for the NFL lead, and he did it in a third of the carries of Jonathan Taylor, the guy he tied with. So it's just been remarkable. And a lot of that's had to do with Penny being healthy, his explosiveness, the line up front, seeing guys like Jake Curhan and Phil Haynes step in and really perform well as run blockers, opening up big lanes for Penny. So that's probably another reason why I'm thinking running it back makes sense. Your offensive line gelled. You're going to have these young guys that stepped in. They're going to be back next year. You're hoping you're going to have Rashad Penny and a healthy Chris Carson. Maybe you'll have Uh, Alex Collins coming back too. You're going to have plenty of guys in the backfield with an improved offensive line and a healthy Russell Wilson. So that's something to be excited about. That's the reason that I've changed my tune is thinking about the way this line's playing. You can carry that over into next year and guys like Jake Curhan and Phil Haynes get better as you would hope they would. Then they got a chance to really do what Pete Carroll wants to do. His winning formula, as he mentioned yesterday, run the football well, play action off of it time of possession, win that battle, and put a lot of points to the board, get some explosives in the passing game. They checked off all those boxes. That was Seahawks football, which we unfortunately have not gotten to see very much of this year. They found it the last couple weeks. Now, going to defense, Jordan Brooks missed a few tackles in the game yesterday, a couple big ones. Can't say that it was a perfect game for him by any means, but 20 tackles yesterday. He tied Bobby Wagner's single-game record for the Seahawks franchise, and – He set a new franchise record for tackles in a single season. He was seven behind Bobby Wagner going into this game. Wagner didn't play because of a knee injury. And all Brooks did is just double what he needed to get that record. So second year in the league, 180 tackles for Jordan Brooks. Just a fantastic sophomore campaign for him, playing alongside Cody Barton, who did some nice things. They got good good contributions from the secondary I'm going to throw this other name out there. Josh Jones had a fantastic game yesterday. The first drive had a pass breakup. Kyler Murray tried to test him with A.J. Green immediately, and he was able to get his hand in there with stride for stride with A.J. Green, knocked the football away, had a couple other nice plays in coverage where he was well-positioned. And Pete Carroll mentioned yesterday that might be a guy they bring back for next season to compete for special team snaps and to give them some experience backups behind – Hopefully, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs both being back. But 
they just they've had so many guys mixing and matching in that secondary, and yet they just keep playing well. They gave up 16 points defensively yesterday. A big part of that was the secondary playing well. And I'll leave this one to you. How about Carlos Dunlap, that somersaulting bully that has just been assaulting offensive lines for the last six or seven games? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch Carlos Dunlap just, you know, uh, just flip the switch and, and become the physically dominant player that that he has been for a long time in the NFL. And, you know, again, we talked about uh, how much I criticized Shane Waldron. Um, I, I think that Ken Norton Jr. deserved a fair amount of criticism, um, you know, early on this season when, when Seattle was rotating their defensive linemen and basically just asking him to, to drop back in space so often. You can see what Carlos Dunlap can do when he can use his power. He's got such long arms. He's so country strong. I love the way that Seattle, it looked like they just game planned to really attack the Arizona left tackle DJ Humphreys, who's a terrific athlete. Uh, a former first-round pick who's extended. Um, the Cardinals think that he is their left tackle, not only of the future, or not only of the present, but of the future. Um, and in between Daryl Taylor's quickness and his ability to turn the corner, and then you complement that with Carlos Dunlap's power. I mean, that was a fierce one-two punch that Seattle was basically just rotating those two guys um, and, and really leaving DJ Humphrey struggling. We, we saw Kyler Murray basically so frustrated. His body language said it all. The Arizona's receivers could not get open, and their offensive line couldn't protect him. Um, and so he looked very, very upset out there at times. And so, again, it, it's a testament to the Seahawks. Their defense fl- really played lights out football yesterday. And going up against the Arizona Cardinals team that has all that talent and has a guy who runs as hard as James Conner does, a guy who catches the ball as well as Zach Ertz does. Uh, you know, I mean, to me, it really was a remarkable performance. And the Seahawks deserve an awful lot of credit. Again, offense, defense, as well as special teams. You really have seen that pass rush come to life here over the last month or so. Had a big game against the Rams, too. Carlos Dunlap had like 80 sacks in that game. Uh, You've seen this group really come together. And Sidney Jones with another really good game on the outside. DJ Reed continued to play well. It's hard to see why the Seahawks would not want to bring both those guys back as your potential starters next season. They've been that good. And they fit their scheme well. So you've got your front playing well. you got the back, the middle. Cody Barton stepped in for Wagner, played well. Jordan Brooks, 20 tackles on the afternoon. So while it wasn't a perfect game, they gave up a few explosives. They really held the Cardinals 16 points. 14 of the points that were scored were on the offense for giving the Cardinals a fumble return for a touchdown and very short field they were able to capitalize on. Defense was put in a no-win situation there, but... Overall, all three levels of the defense playing well. Really strong finish for them. And on special teams, Travis Homer playing a little bit of peekaboo with the punter, Andy Lee, who saw him coming and decided, I'm not going to punt the ball because I think he's going to get blocked. And then he tries to run with it and fumbles it. And then he gets smacked by Travis Homer running from behind. Cody Thompson picks it up. That was another big turning point in this game. Josh Johnson blasted a kick returner in coverage, uh, rookie out of, uh, Louisiana Monroe didn't get any carries, but had that big tackle. So you got to see a big advantage for them on special teams in this game as well. Really, again, you take those two big turnovers that Russell Wilson had, the, the ugly interception to Jalen Thompson and the fumble 12 seconds in, you take those two plays out of the game. This was a total domination in all three phases by the Seahawks. And it just kind of leaves you wondering, where was this earlier in the season? Because Pete Carroll said after the game, 
this is a team you wouldn't have wanted to play if they somehow snuck into the playoffs. If they were playing the way they did yesterday, they could beat anyone. And I truly believe that. No, I, I do too. And that, that's one of the things that one of the reasons why I'm excited about what this, uh, the, the Seahawks team uh, has in store for it. Obviously again, it'll be next year, but as we've talked about, we've got a, a whole off season to kind of explore the different uh, possibilities that Seattle is going to have. They are much more stocked in terms of NFL draft selections. They certainly are more stocked in terms of uh, the salary cap space for free agency. They're going to be playing a fourth place schedule now rather than a first place schedule. And so Corbin, I really think that this is a team that could wind up bouncing back from being in the seller of the NFC West to right back at the top next year. And, uh, you know, and to me, that is one of the most exciting things uh, about this thing is because you do know that the Los Angeles Rams, um, my, you know, for my money, the most talented team in the NFC West, that they pushed all of their chips in. They are not going to be the next, the same team next year. You know, there's going to be some drop down there. Again, the Arizona Cardinals and looking at Kyler Murray. I just don't know that he has the the heart that you want the quarterback position to be the leader that's going to be able to take your team to a title. And you know the San Francisco 49ers, given everything that they did for the, the rookie quarterback, Trey Lance, then as good as Jimmy Garoppolo played in, in helping the 49ers come back and beat the Rams yesterday, then, you know, think about it from a 49ers perspective. They want Trey Lance to get onto the field too. So in a lot of ways, the Seahawks are actually, I know that obviously they're the only team that's not in the playoffs, but in terms of next season, their team is trending upwards. I don't think any of us would have said that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, I really do put a lot of stock in the win yesterday, and I thought the win against the Lions was a lot more impressive than people realize. They did lose to the Bears, so if you got beyond the last two weeks' memory, there were some losses to non-playoff teams that were very disappointing this year. There's no question about it. You're 7-10. and 10. You are what your record says you are. But I think you look at the roster, you look at the coaching staff, the tradition they've got of consistently being a contender, you add a few more pieces, you get Rashad Penny back, Carlos Dunlap, you let him rush the passer instead of dropping him back in coverage, maybe give him another running mate to go with Daryl Taylor, this is a team that could be very good again next year, but the onus is going to fall on John Schneider and company to make the moves they need to make to put this team back in the discussion. Because right now, it is what it is. They're a fourth-place NFC West team, non-playoff team, top-10 pick that's going to the Jets. There's a lot of things that still be negative about, but a very big win for them to end the season, some momentum going to the offseason, and – uh, some positive vibes for a franchise that could still have some very bright days coming up in the near future. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Coming up tomorrow will be our last Tell the Truth Tuesday. Going to be taking a full season perspective with that segment, and we're going to start looking towards 2022, Seattle's upcoming 17 opponents, nine home games, eight away games coming up next season. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.